As you know, the On Farm podcast is brought to you by the team at Seen and Heard PR and Marketing. And I just wanted to remind you about a new initiative that's happening here called On Record. On Record is a project to preserve voices, stories and memories for the future with your very own audio recording. So we're recording memories of rural life. We're travelling around Scotland, working with families and organisations to capture precious voices of family members or staff members or long-serving office bearers to preserve those for posterity and sometimes for historical value. So if you think this project is something that you'd like to be involved in and maybe you have a grandparent or a parent that you'd like to capture on audio while you can, please do get in touch. You can find out more at onrecordmemories.co.uk. Oh my word. We've just opened a door into this big room with just the cutest the cutest little chicks in here. Just adorable. Hello and welcome to On Farm. This is Anna with you again for this episode and today I am working in partnership with SOPA, the Scottish Organic Producers Association and I've been on a fairly epic but amazing road trip in the sunshine. Today's episode was the first of two interviews that I recorded whilst away. I was on a visit to Lawrence Kirk in Aberdeenshire to meet a young guy who has recently traded in a career in oil and gas based in Dubai to come home to his family farm. The business is primarily based on organic gluten-free oats, but they're also building up an enterprise rearing chickens and ducks. So I've had a, a brilliant tour in the sunshine and really, really enjoyed chatting to Michael. So I hope you enjoy it too. Hi, I'm uh, Michael Medlock. I'm 39 years old and I have recently rejoined our farming family. Having been in the oil industry for a number of years, I've come back to the family farm where we've been farming organically for almost 40 years in the How the Marns, just outside Lawrencekirk. Our main products that we produce are organic gluten-free oats and have recently started into producing organic chicken and duck. Our main business here is yep. organic gluten-free oats. Why don't we start in the grain store? Okay. And then yep. we can follow the process of the oats, and then we can follow the process of the chickens and the ducks, and then at the end I'll show you how we hope that they all interact and A virtuous circle. Each. Yes. Yeah, excellent. Okay. Um, and so tell me, that, um, I've got a few friends who are gluten-free... Yeah. So tell me about the oat gluten-free thing, because I know even I wasn't sure, actually. I was buying oat milk, and I thought, gosh, is oat milk gluten-free? And then you start to think about your porridge. What's so The oats are gluten-free. Oats are gluten-free. Yeah. But uh, as most farmers have a kind of rotation system, so one year they'll grow wheat, one year they'll grow oats, potatoes, and I guess in the organic system, then you have to put it back into grass or fertility-building crop. Um, so what happens with gluten is that you'll get contamination from rogue wheat, rogue uh, yes, barley yes. being left in your field. They will come up and they will get cut along with your oats. Yeah. And it took us maybe three years from saying we're going to try gluten-free to getting gluten-free results. Like, I see. Like yes, no detectable yes. gluten within our system. And w- at what point do you get rid of it then? During the growing season so or it's from, after it's harvested? So once, if wheat is in amongst your oats, you'll nothing never, you there's nothing no, you can do, no. we'll never separate it. So 
I mean, it could be even things like if you're using a contractor, his combine could be contaminated. Mm. So we, you know, so we have local farmers who grow for us who who understand our requirements that they can't really be growing any wheat or barley on their farm. We give them a premium for that so that they don't get contamination. And I'd say for the last eight years that we've, you know, we've had consistently every batch we've tested has never had a any gluten result. So we're very confident with our Amazing. product now. Yeah. So yeah and farming organically then um does that make it more challenging for growing oats yes and no um i guess it would be it'd be just like farming any other cereal organically you have your your issues with weeds and Mm. and we don't really have issues so much with insect damage or uh, pesticides so we're just standard farming organically we're not Mm. doing anything crazy yeah and so maybe just before we talk about the the circle that you spoke yeah. about of the the organic oats chickens ducks maybe let's just talk about your organic journey now you mentioned you're in your 30s has the organic conversion taken place here in your lifetime or is it something that your father uh, had already established what, no. what's the history of it so my father i think we started we converted to being organic about 38 years ago okay, and i'm 39 all yeah. oh, right so, so you probably weren't instrumental in doing no. that then. No, so we've been organic a long time. It's been a real itch that I've wanted to itch Mm. to come back and farm. I felt, you know, my dad was getting to an age that we either needed to make a decision as I come back or we stop and we sell the farm because, you know, it can't just continue. And I feel that it would be a massive opportunity lost if I said, I'll do another five years in the oil industry and then come back and dad will be like I'm, I'm done I'm you know I'm, yeah you and the farm. the boat yeah exactly yes, so yeah. I'm here just now giving it a go obviously dad is still here with me I he's, met him when I arrived so he seems to be still very active <laughs> in the business yes, he, he lives on the farm <laughs> although he didn't seem to want to be on the podcast <laughs> so yeah he um so yeah it's a it's a very different life it's a very different you know we lived in the Middle East and oh, yeah came my back goodness. Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah I guess you get a lot more family time a lot better like work-life balance the paychecks maybe not as, as good well no maybe not but uh, yeah that's the thing is what how do you want to spend your time and what do you want to be doing and where yes. do you want to be doing it and i think that's probably why many farmers carry on because you can't get that lifestyle yeah anywhere yeah. else yeah, yeah. so your, your your dad he must have been the one who was instrumental in organic conversion when you were a year old um yes why was that has he ever explained to you why he wanted to do that and why he took that decision um no i think he's always had the mentality to try and be uh, out of the crowd of farming yes yes he's always thought if we're different there's a niche that's potentially a premium but organic farming has always been there we bought a mill in afford maybe 25 years ago and Mm -hmm. so we were doing oats for human consumption and but prior to that our main business was oats for racehorses oh, okay yes yeah so we would do a lot of oats down into spillers down into new market wow, and that was yeah. our main business um, for a long time and then what the horses didn't get we were putting over to the mill and the humans were getting <laughs> i kind of like that often it's the, the, the poor animals who get the, the leftovers yeah. but i kind of like that how the racehorses were so important so they wanted the big first. plump oats yeah, so and yeah. then everything else was yeah sent to the mill for human yes. consumption 
So within these old buildings, we have a very complicated maze of systems of, so from the oats, from the grain store, mm-hmm. go into here, and then they're screened and, and cleaned. You know, bits of straw are taken out of them, weeds. We have some really nice equipment that's quite old, but does a great job yeah, for us efficient. in here. And mm-hmm. it, it sizes the oats for us as well. So it takes out all the really small oats. There's not a lot of goodness in those oats mm-hmm. so that we're not spending time from here hauling the oats moving the oats processing yes. oats that are going to yeah. go to nothing do you still put oats then into the the horse market or is that no. not something you do anymore no, no. so right. it's so now it's all, all human consumption, all human consumption. Yeah. so and oats have had a bit of a resurgence in popularity over recent years yes, haven't they? so yeah. um we've definitely seen that we sell 98 percent of our oats as porridge oats um, in bulk to packers who then pack mm-hmm. it away into their own ba- branded bags and stuff We'd so rec- that could easily have been what I had for my breakfast this morning it, it, yeah. yes but they generally go down and they're labelled by the packer as Scottish organic gluten free oats so mm-hmm. yeah we then we, we've launched our own little brand called Honest Oats where people can shop online and buy our oats directly from us and we'll, we'll just post them out we don't have a shop here but no yes. no so it's effectively mail order oats. Yes. Then, yeah. Yes, yeah. So have you had to take on extra staff then to deal with? No. The so everything packaging? we've brought in and wanted to do, we've tried to not bring in. We've brought in um, one extra member of staff since doing chickens and oats. Um, you know what I want to do is beforehand we were very manual. We the oats were getting touched or handled a lot of times. So we would load the oats into a lorry we'd drive them over here into this processing area we'd then process them we'd bag them again send them to the mill which over in Afford where we still uh, continue to kiln dry them which Mm -hmm. I think gives us a a differentiator from everybody else it lightly roasts the oats Um, the oats then come back here and then they go into this plant here where they're made into a porridge flake so there's a lot of points in our process where we're touching or we're Mm. Moving the oat by hand, essentially yes. not by hand, but with a forklift art. And so, what we're trying to do is take these kind of points out of our process um, to be more efficient, so that guys can do other tasks. Yeah, if that makes sense. And I wonder. I, I've been to a lot of efficient farming enterprises, but the fact that you stepped away from farming and you were working in a different sector for a long time, do you think that gives you a different perspective when you come back? Yeah, I think it, it definitely gives other aspects or viewpoints to come back on, even from financial forecasting, which we were all forced to do in our previous jobs, yes. and to budgeting, to to then looking at efficiencies, to even to bring in a bit more health and safety. I know farming's pretty bad on health and safety, and it was yes, drilled into us. We've done a few episodes about that. In yeah. the oil industry and, you know, putting guys through all their forklift training their heli handler training you can see that in operation right now yeah so yeah no stone unturned when it comes to making sure that health and safety is is paramount I mean we don't have the money that we can spend the oil and gas we'd have on every safety Mm. feature to make you know we don't insist the guys wear hard hats or gloves uh, you know but if you know if we were doing a hazardous task we would like to plan it now we would like to just ensure that the process is done the job is done safely and they're not just rushing in mm. you know and, and something tragic happens you know touch wood we've not had an accident yes. here for years yeah. and years but you know we don't want to be there no exactly exactly so yeah so efficiency is important and then that all helps with margin and yes. and profitability which is kind of why in theory 
why everybody does what they do to yeah. try and make a living from yeah. it. So, yeah. And, and so being organic, I know it wasn't your decision to, to become organic, but is it still a key part of your long-term thinking and your business plan, both from a financial perspective and I suppose also from an ethos perspective? I think... I'd say to answer your question from my perspective it would be more from an ethos perspective I think nature's a big thing I think we have to live with nature and we have to work with nature and I think you know for us having a farm here of almost 40 years organic our, we have amazing worm counts you know our, our soil smells healthy we, would, we think we've got a really good our soils are healthy and hopefully sequestering a lot of carbon we've not done any calculations into that but I think farming going forward whether it's organic or conventional has to be looking down this route rather than just more chemicals more fertilizers just yield 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 but at the very end of it it needs to pay and I, I can't, we can't do it for nothing yeah yeah so we're heading inside now it is very noisy and there are lots of pallets with white packets of oats going all over the place this one's going to West Sussex and here is the processing facility. This is the yeah. end of the line for the oats, essentially. Yeah. And as I said earlier, we pack them and sell them in bulk. And what's this lady doing here? There's a lady here with a, so, what looks like a hoover. It is. So sometimes um, we have issues with husks. We try and get all the husks out, but the little needle that your opponent complained about. Uh, there's <laughs> something in my forehead. It's kind of our final quality control that we have yes. on, you know, she doesn't stand here all the time, but it is if we take I if think you'd get dizzy if you stood here all the time. She's um, very good at it. This but is it's, yeah, this is the final part of the quality control. Essentially, from those going in that side to coming out there, we don't touch them again. Yeah, if that makes so, sense. so that's part of the efficiencies. Yeah. 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 So, so the oats are your main yeah. enterprise. Yeah. Yeah. Human consumption, and then you've got your honest oats, which is the direct yeah. to consumer. And I would brand. say, yeah, ninety-five percent of them are going into ninety percent into England, into England. Yeah. ten percent into Europe. Yeah. And Brexit had a real issue, problem with mm. us. You know, we were shipping to Barcelona on a regular basis. It was maybe costing us one hundred and twenty pounds to move a pallet from here to Barcelona. Mm -hmm. After Brexit, it's now five hundred pounds, and that's we're just not so competitive anyway. No, no. Um, so. And have you found alternative markets then to take that product? We, we still managed to ship a little to Barcelona. They're still taking it. They, they recognize right. the quality yeah. um, and they're packing it and it's going into Carrefour in, in Europe. And we have another customer in Dublin who takes quite a lot, again, packing and putting it into, into, back into Europe through Dublin. So okay. that's, yeah. we used to do a lot to Holland, but again, Brexit's, we're just, you know, margin, it's, a, it's essentially a commodity and people are wanting it had a price and yes, you know we, can, yes. we can't not and I suppose every, everybody has their limit doesn't, don't yeah. they price wise yeah. um, no matter how much they love the product yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so the honest oats direct to consumer has that been in response then to some of these Brexit challenges um, no honest oats was derived in that as I said we send most of our oats to be packed into brands mm -hmm. and I just thought well they're marking it up by three times why why can't we just get a little bit of yes. that and we're not competing with them we're not setting it up in shops we're not doing it wholesale it's just purely online and mm -hmm. you know we have occasion that we we have some shops locally to Aberdeen that will take it but apart yes. from that it's, yeah. we're not and how has demand been you know you, you um, mentioned earlier that we're all facing higher food prices some people are making tough decisions yeah but the, the people who have a passion for 
local, organic, yeah. everything, the whole story behind that are still supporting you, are they? Yeah, I would yeah. say, um, for the honest oats, it's been a learning in how to do websites mm. and little, a little bit of logistics um, and you know, having to go into social media marketing and stuff like that. Yeah, which, selling direct to consumers is yeah. very different, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, so I would say we actually sell a lot to Wales, which is a weird oh, demographic okay. that yeah. we sell. Um, but mostly, again, down to England and still some in Scotland um, and a little locally. But um, yeah. yeah, I guess we're just UK-wide. And so if you've been mastering all of the, the marketing and the social media yourself? Yeah, and I, I, yeah. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can never think, oh, everybody's like, I'll just take a picture of a field of oats and that'll do <laughs> what people want to see. But it's really boring for me. I was like, that's not even interesting. It's like a field of grass. It is interesting for, co- for consumers. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I, but I, 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 so I understand I, why it's I'm, why I'm it's lucky if I do a social media post once a month. It's pretty bad. <laughs> Well, hopefully this podcast will raise a little bit of awareness. So, anyway, this is the oats final journey. So, from the white dehulling machine, we blow oh, the yes. husks through here. Right. Um, I love this. There's a there's a tractor here oh, used as part of the process, and it's about as white as the oats because it's covered in all the the dust. So we mix it. Yeah. And we make it into oats meat pellets. Aha. Uh-huh. We have very little waste. Well, we yes. have no waste off the oven. Zero waste, yeah. yeah. We have to mix them with molasses to make them a bit sticky. Yes. Um, and they get made in a very slow process, but we can leave this machine running and it just sits here and churns out. Oh, uh, uh, I see. Yeah, pellets. you can see the pellets falling out into a big sack. And, uh, right. So these are just yes. locally supplied to sheep yeah. and cattle. Farming. Sheep and cattle, yeah. So. And do you deal with the logistics of delivering... Uh, yeah, as well, um, then, some yeah. local farmers, the farmer just over at St. Cyrus, he comes over in his tractor and picks them oh, okay. up. Okay, yes. Um, otherwise, we can uh, take them up to, you know, Peterhead, yeah. uh, etc. So Are they, is it quite a unique product then? Uh, no, there's a lot of people who would make feed pellets, but I think because it's our waste product that we're very price competitive. We don't uh, want it building up or, yes. you know, we used to pay farmers to take this away back in the day <laughs> yeah, before we yeah. installed this. So, yeah, so we, yeah. And, and it's local, and so a lot of people are keen for that for many yeah, reasons. Yeah, yes. and animals seem to do really well on it. Good. So. Oh, amazing. Um, um, so, poultry then, um, yeah. chicken and ducks, yeah. is the the newest part of your enterprise. Is that yes. true to say? That is true. And tell me about how that all started, why you did it, what you know, so and what you love about it, everything. We used to do we used to do poultry, organic chickens for two sisters who are the big poultry guys in the UK they have the processing plant at Caparangas and they I want to say five, six years ago they stopped doing organic poultry, so we used to do maybe 5,000 chickens a week for them that's a lot. Um, Sounds a lot to me. Not that I know a huge amount about poultry, but it's very small scale compared oh, is it? to yeah, Gosh, when right. people are shipping quarter of a million birds in a, at a go to them. To them, so we. But again, a strong niche for organic poultry. So they were putting yes. it into the supermarkets, mm-hmm. and they just couldn't uh, couldn't justify. They would have to stop their plant, wash it down, to put the org- We we saw it from their point. It just wasn't viable for them to mm-hmm. do it. So they pulled the plug on Scottish organic. So there was no Scottish organic going into the, the the major supermarkets from then on did that mean then from a consumer's perspective it was very difficult to find organic scottish organic chicken you could get british organic chicken okay right mm. the supermarkets obviously had to accept because 
they are the biggest chicken producer in Britain and mm. they what they say you can either have it or you don't have it and yes yes and that's it so we we grow up went up to a scale that we were doing as I said 5,000 mm -hmm. birds a week which requires a lot of infrastructure from an mm -hmm. organic side because they need to say in arcs at minimum stocking densities with sufficient yeah. space um, so we have a lot of surplus poultry equipment so kind of roll on to today or to a year ago I've been thinking about doing poultry for a long time I think there's definitely a market for it in I Scotland yeah. in that we're yeah held by one slaughterhouse in Cooper Angus there's another farmer doing it outside Perth who does organic and um, we, we, we kind of work together now so we are very small scale dipping our toe in the water to see if there is a market mm -hmm. for it and we will process up to about 200 birds a week okay right yeah so different scale but very considered and deliberate yeah. yes yes and how does it reach the consumer's table then? We have a lot of local butchers come in, collect mm -hmm. and take it to the shops and sell it that way. We then have a few wholesalers come in and collect to then put it into the restaurant trade. Mm -hmm. And we have a website where people can buy it direct from us as well. Um, but again, very small scale. We don't encourage people to come to the farm. We'd rather people went to a neighbouring farm shop and bought them. Well, if, if the farm shop infrastructure and the butchers yes. are there, yeah. it makes sense. Yes, to, so yeah. that, that's adds, our preferred... It adds more work for yes. you to do here if you've yes. got a shop. Yeah. And I also, I, I worry that it would put people off. I think people want to associate chicken as being either in the field or on their plate. Yes, yes. And they don't want to know about the bit what in between. In between. Yes. Yeah, yeah, quite possibly. Um, so quite possibly. <laughs> We'll go into this shed, which are called the brooder sheds, okay. where we take chicks in from day old. Ah, oh, right. So we have I a. Might have to smuggle one of those into my pocket. <laughs> so we my take daughters in, would love me forever. <laughs> Taking chickens at a day old, and we take them in once a month. Right. And they come from England, up from England, because there's no okay. hatcheries in. This corridor has six brooder sheds, and right. this used yeah. to be when we were doing 5,000 chicks a week, this was one week's worth of chickens. But now... I can't even begin to imagine the, the huge scale that you talked about earlier. 5,000 seems so many... Oh, my word. So these chickens oh. are a lot small, slower growing than you would get on the supermarket shelf. Yes. These are Hubbard. We've just opened Hubbard. a door into this big room with just the cutest, the cutest little chicks in here. Just adorable. So we keep them inside. And it's lovely and cosy. Yeah. They've got so much space. Kind of a happy life, really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the idea is, you know, we want the chicken to have a, as wholesome a life as possible. Mm -hmm. And I know they're inside just now, but they, they wouldn't survive outside. They don't have feathers. Oh, they, gosh, we need to no. keep them warm. Yes. Um, the heating comes from a biomass system. Oh, it's roasty toasty. Yeah. So, yeah. So there is 400 chicks in here yeah, maybe doesn't look gosh. like it no it doesn't it, they, they've got loads of space and food and water and they just look as happy and they're cheeping away happily yeah. amazing the ducklings is a different scale ducklings oh so just basically yeah bigger yeah. just as so cute exactly the same age yeah they're probably twice the size if not a bit yeah more. they would be wouldn't they yeah. yes they drink a lot of water right yeah poop a lot <laughs> 
And so how labour-intensive is it then to look after these little guys? So when they're in these brooder sheds, it's actually very simple. And this was one of the, the things we wanted to do when we set up our poultry system. We didn't want to make it labour-intensive. We wanted it to be as easy as possible. Yeah. So the chicks are here. It, you know, somebody comes and checks. They get fed once a day. Somebody yeah. will come check on them twice more just to make sure that there's no issues yeah, with any of them. Fine. We do once a month. We then load them up into a, a module and we mm-hmm. take them to their outside house right. which we're going to yes. see next oh, we have a kind of continuous throughput of chicks being placed chicks growing chicks being processed so these chickens will stay inside for three weeks yeah and then they will go outside for the remainder of their life whereas in a, on an industrial system mm-hmm. these chickens can start being thinned out at 27 days and taken away to the tape to oh, be killed goodness so by the time Why our chicks it? are about that size yes. when outside yes full-grown chickens are going away to be killed so yeah tell me then about i know you're you're maybe you are but you're not a qualified chef as far as i'm aware but tell me about then how the slow growing and the organic and what you feed them which we can talk about in a minute how does that all contribute to what the consumer experience is on their plate um our chickens cook a lot quicker than a standard chicken they are fattier which is not expected with chicken because people assume chicken to be a lean meat but these chickens are much more matured we'll have them up to 110 days old where they've you know they've grown at Mm -hmm. the pace that they should grow they've eaten whatever they can forage find and the feed that we give them yeah um and they develop their own flavor so some when we're processing chickens some some will come through bright yellow their breasts like as own it's been labelled a corn-fed chicken yes. as you see in a supermarket. Some are white and uh-huh. some are blotchy, some are in between and they're all just a bit different. The chicken, I, I think, tastes of uh, much more of chicken than you would expect. Uh, yeah, you know, so organic chicken is tasty chicken. Yeah, and I think you also have to think that when you're eating that chicken, it's not, it's not just been a, essentially a machine that's just been put in the ground, grown, killed and on your plate this this chicken has lived a life it's scratched it's done what it naturally wants yes, to do yes yes it does what my pet hens do all yes, the time yeah. yeah that has to be as well as it being tastier uh, i mean it's, it's subjective but we hope that the the consumer will be like well i feel i'm eating an ethically raised animal that you know it's never suffered it's seen yes. the light of day it's you can see the evidence of of the life that they lead and so once they come out here then, as you said, the chicks need to stay indoors for a while cause, because of the weather and they wouldn't be yeah. hardy enough. Then they come out here yeah. and is this where they spend the rest of their days then until it's time for them to go? Yeah. So I mean, that's a beautiful life. Yes. So this, we're walking into the duck field. These ducks are another six weeks older than the ducklings you saw in the Oh in gosh, the shed. yeah, six weeks. Older. Yeah, so that yeah. six weeks older. So in in six weeks they grow from what we've just seen, which is yeah, maybe a few I don't know, inches, four, six, five inches tall. Yeah, yeah. To, to, to now, what look like fully grown? So yeah. not quite fully grown, right? No. To the untrained eye, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, as a farmer, I want them as big as possible. Of course, yes, yes. Because um, we sell them by the kilo. So these guys. We will start thinning these guys out in about three weeks' time. Okay. What we found is we will fence them in to begin with for four days. Ah, uh, I see. And they, they get a little paddock 
and they know where their house is, and yes. then after that, we'll take the fence away, and they just oh, they stay kind of within like sheep. Yeah, yeah they just stay yes. within their so they they have the availability to go anywhere. We've made a little rubbish pond for them. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> pond pond. Yeah, they, they quite like, and and the dog likes. Um, <laughs> there is a burn just behind that little. Oh yeah, there, which they haven't discovered yet. Thankfully, they just—they just happy they just and flurry. Yeah, yeah that, one of my frustrations right now is that they seem to sunbathe a lot and not do a whole lot of eating and putting on weight. <laughs> <laughs> so in here we have this this shed. We have four hundred ducks. like 400 in there they've got loads of space haven't they yeah and they can just come and go yeah so interesting it's a beautiful day more of them are inside than out so they obviously like being in here on a rainy day they're all out or out yeah Yeah, yeah. bathing in the rain yeah so tell me about what these ducks eat then in relation to the oats that we've just seen in the whole journey Obviously, they're pecking, they're scratching. They've got, they can go anywhere they like. So they can get worms. Is, they can get all anything. Them. They've eaten all yes. this vegetation down. Yes. This is, we've not mown this at all. Right. Um, we're going to move the ducks out of here and put them in a clover field, as in we uh, think there'll be more yeah. protein in the clover rather than just kind of weedy grass. So I thought that they would help clear up. And I mean, look at this. I mean, lawnmowers. Gosh, they are, aren't and they? Fertilizing yes. I mean, the amount of poo. So this was all kind of overgrown like that, yeah. and then they've just yeah. completely. Yeah. So I'd, they're getting. Whatever grass, nutrients from Bugs, grass, yeah. everything that yeah. they find in there, yeah. Yeah. yeah, insects, worms, yeah. And then do you supplement their feed? Yes, yeah, so we yeah. give them feed. We have the oats and peas that we grow mm-hmm. on the farm. We don't feed them any soya um, no. supplements because right. it's bad at the minute. Yes. Um, so they get a rape meal mm-hmm. with some minerals and vitamins supplemented. Yeah. It's all local. It's all yeah, relatively local anyway, and it's all Scottish and. Yeah. wholesome and delicious and yeah that's why we get such tasty duck and i'm definitely going to go on this website and order some <laughs> well so the ducks is a strange one because our best customer for the chicken has been asking and asking us to do duck so we relented and we gave in and we said okay we'll do ducks exclusively for you oh, so i can't buy a duck on the can't website buy a, yeah, i could give you a duck but i don't have any <laughs> it might poop all over my car <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I see. So they're all going to one customer at the moment. Yeah. yeah so that customer followed through on their promise. If you do ducks, we'll buy them. Yeah. yeah. Well, he has to take them all. So right. the thing with the chickens that we're finding from a business point of view is that we place we place a chick, as you saw, and in three to four months, I will sell that chick. Yeah. But I don't have contracts. We we only kill chickens to on demand. So if oh, somebody orders yes. 20 chickens, we'll kill 20 chickens. I'm not going yes. to speculatively kill chickens. No, as, no. As the big guys do. So for the chickens, it's a bit of a risk that I've placed chickens and potentially can't sell the chicken. Yeah, yeah. And then they get bigger and bigger and bigger. So the restaurant trade, they want a 1.8 kilo chicken. That's what they oh, okay. want. Okay, yeah. The butchers want a kind of 2 to 2.4 kilo chicken. Mm-hmm. And then anything over that is too big, right. apart from at Christmas. Oh, yes, yes. So we need to sell the chickens before they get too big. Yeah. They're not fast growing, but, you know, we get a mixed flock. So we get cockerels and hens. So the cockerels grow much faster than the hens. So we try and thin them out first. Yes. 
when it comes to the chicken and, and actually the oats as well you've had a relatively recent foray into dealing with consumers yeah consumers who like to buy organic um what's been your experience of of those people you know you mentioned that they're they have been pretty loyal um that they ask lots of questions that they really kind of interested and passionate about specifically about what you do and and why you do it i would say i'd say the people buying oats direct from us are they're yeah. always they'll be asking you know you get you can get three emails from one customer asking do you put glyphosate on the oats do you do anything like oh, this okay. yes, yes um can you tell me you know sometimes because we send the oats away for analysis for a full spectrum analysis once a year to show that mm-hmm. there's no badness in them yeah um, i mean this test costs about a thousand pounds to analyze the oats mm-hmm. and you know a person buying one bag will ask for this you know and <laughs> yes so, yeah um, demonstrating how that you know their their passion for what they're putting yes, in their bodies i yeah, suppose yeah. yes so with regards to the chickens we don't sell too many direct to customer and it's mainly through these wholesalers and butchers that we sell them and the feedback we get is amazing and i suppose uh, that's what helps make it all worthwhile isn't it really if you're getting amazing feedback on what you're producing yeah makes you want to get up out of bed in the morning and do what you do i suppose yes exactly um so but where are we off to now so i'm going to show you the bigger chickens Interestingly, we, we've done quite a few episodes speaking to organic farmers and um, not all of them. We spoke to Angus Elder. I don't know if you know him. Um, he's a vegetable grower from okay. East Lothian. They've not all been involved in the decision-making process for organic themselves because it's been something that's been established yeah. since the previous generation. But the passion has obviously transferred down the generations. Um, but everybody so far, until I've met you has said, well, actually, yeah, you know, it is kind of driven by the finances, although we're all so passionate about organic. Whereas you flipped it round and said, for me, it's the ethos that that kind of keeps it going. And so I'm kind of interested to explore that and um, why you have that ethos and, and where you want to take that ethos going forward, because you'll be in charge of this enterprise for decades to come. I'm absolutely not saying that the finances aren't important because 100% they are and you know farms have to be able to stand on their own two feet and we feel as being a farmer who we, we try and get as close to the final customer as you can certainly for the chicken our problem with chicken or doing this enterprise is that people associate you can buy three chickens for £10 in the supermarket yes. and for me I'll just quickly, really high level numbers. For example, the chick, the day old chick cost me just under a pound to buy. Mm-hmm. It will eat maybe eight pounds, as in pounds monetary, yeah. worth of feed in its yeah. lifetime. Yeah. We estimate it costs us about three pounds to process the bird. So that's me up to 12 pounds before, before I've put any, any labour, yes. any yes. tractor, any infrastructure, any medication, any vet's bills anything like that and stark isn't it yeah, yeah. so when i say we're doing really small scale and then you have a farm you know a couple of miles away that's putting out a quarter of a million a, a cycle you know and he's making 2p a bird that's a lot of money you know yes whereas yes. for me i need to you know what, what should a farmer be allowed to earn on a chicken you know so yeah well that's the age if you, question if you want, i suppose yeah if yeah. you want a chicken that has lived as a chicken shoot and tastes as a chicken shoot yes you know we feel that 
it should You've got cost. to pay for that. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. That, well, exactly. And I think um, I think we all make our own decisions, don't we? And they are based on our own personal ethos. Yeah. They're based on our personal financial circumstances. Yeah. And we're based, they're based, it's based on what we want. Yeah. And I suppose we, we eat, as consumers, we each make that decision every time we do a food shop, don't we? Whether it's yes. dirty carrots from the farm shop or cheap carrots in a bag. I suppose you know, every decision is right for that person, but people have got to understand what they're buying and yeah. what's behind it before they pass so, judgment. I so guess. we need to price the chicken in a way that the butcher can get the butcher needs his margin 100 yes. percent, and then the customer is now paying 20 pounds for a chicken yeah that's a lot for a customer who think who could previously buy three for a tenner yes um, yes but my these chickens if you bought a two uh, this is based on a two kilo chicken that will feed a family of four a dinner it'll have a plenty left for sandwiches the next day and make a fantastic stock so that's there's a lot of meals three meals there yes. one chicken and my local fish and chip shops it's 10 pounds now for a fish supper you know so yeah yeah well exactly and and people often don't think of it in that same context yes yeah, so eating out versus eating quality food at yeah. home yeah yeah ah oh, there they are there we go are they mostly indoors at, at the moment? No, no. because we lock them in every night. Of course, yes. Boxes, so. Well, I was going to ask you about predation, actually. Is it a big issue? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So um, constant vigilance. Yeah, it is. So we, we kind of, if we step back, they'll come out. Yeah. Um, and again, you can see, they don't go massively so No, far. they have a... Yeah, it's interesting, because I thought that... That they would be fenced in, but no, they've got like a radius that they're comfortable in. Yeah. They will wander very far, but you can yes. see predominantly where the birds will, will be. Yeah, and they'll come back in at, at, at dusk, dusk. Yeah. themselves. Yeah, but, yeah. and we just let to come down and shut the door. As you can see, there's a couple of the they're different. You know, they're just different. Yes. They're different oh, sizes. Yeah. Brown they, ones, white ones. Yeah, yeah, smaller. exactly. So you can see at the back. There's a cockerel oh, who's yes. much bigger than the other hens. Yeah. So. He's kind of, he'll be probably for the, the chop on Monday. Right. Um, you mentioned about the lifestyle, but it's it's hard work. You've got a lot on your plate here. It um, is, yeah. And especially... Hi, one of come to say hello, peck our boots. Do you ever hark back to your previous career? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. When you see your friends on Instagram in the Bahamas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we lived in Dubai and it's just <gasps> night and day from this to living yes, out there and yes. you're so far removed from this sort of thing out there you know yeah. food is just on a shelf or on a plate you mm. know there's no it's no, not really any wildlife out there but it was so clean and polished and it's just you know now you're on a monday you're gutting chickens and you know <laughs> back to the chicken processing from the field on a friday night uh-huh. we load the chickens into these modules ah uh, yes yes and we bring them in into this path, which is the where the and it's what we call the waiting room. <laughs> Probably more pleasurable than some waiting rooms. I doubt it. <laughs> the door was a bit stuck, but we're in now. So for the last night of freedom, the chickens come they in. They go in here, yeah. yeah. So on a conventional system, mm-hmm. the chickens would stay in the crate until the, oh, the okay. day they die. So the last right. sixteen hours could be just 
random. So we bring That's them in, so we nice. let them out. They get water. They don't get food. So we want them to right. clean their valves out so that when we process them, there's, there's very little chance yes. of fecal contamination. I see. Yeah. So this is the waiting room. Yeah. Well, it's just much like the room that they were in when, when they were little. Yeah, yeah exactly plenty that. of water, yeah. nice sawdust and shavings on the floor yeah. and comfortable. We have yeah. lots of boards because it's easier. We just kind of pen them in a corner. Uh -huh. You know, we'll pen 10 in a corner, take the 10 out, the others are yes. just scratching about. Yeah. And, you know, I genuinely think don't think they have a clue what's happening. The corporals are still trying to do boy things with the girl things. And so yeah, they're just right living life as normal. So, yeah. Sorry, this way. This and way, right? Yeah, life is normal for a chicken to the end. So what happens is, so that's the door that we've just. Oh the yes, chair. yes. This door gets swung over there. Yeah. And these yeah. cones get put here, yeah. and the chicken gets put into the cone. Yeah. Stunned, electrically, and then it's kind of brain dead, and it's uh, bled out from there. And again, they'll just be none the wiser. No, mm. not not a not not a, like not a clue. I don't, genuinely don't think they suffer. In no, the it's a process that if people are going to have them on their plate, it has to happen, and you're doing yeah. it in the best possible way. Yeah. So the chicken goes from here mm. into a scald tank where it's spun. Yeah. In hot water, and that yeah. opens its pores, and then it goes into this, and this machine removes all its feathers, and then okay, it, wow, it, that was, it looks like. A chicken you'd get on your plate. Yes. It's still got its head and its feet. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then we eviscerate them here. Uh huh. We then hang them. Yeah. For a couple of hours, just to let them relax a wee bit, mm. um, and then we will take the head and feet off and band them up. Band them up. Yeah. And then they get taken into ah. the chiller, and so this is some finished products going out. Oh, so these are brilliant. Going to Campbell's prime meat. Yeah. Um, Balmacume Farm Shop, who I think did a oh yes, Phil, yeah, yeah, yeah. CSA scheme going. How many would you do in one time? Did you say like a, a batch? So on Monday we did uh, 180 chickens and 220 ducks. Right, and how long does that take you? So the chickens we've done by lunchtime, um, oh. and the ducks do the rest of the day. They are really hard to pluck just uh. now, and we just need to find our. Our groove. I mean, when we first started doing chickens, it would take us about three hours to do ten chickens, right. and now yeah. we can do about so forty to fifty an hour. Um, but the really ducks yeah. are—we just need to find our groove. Yeah. Um, well, it's all a learning journey, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So you're very much hoping then, as you've said, that the the chicken and the ducks continue to thrive and grow, and become an even more key part of the business, and likewise the oats. Yes. Yes. I, we, f we feel we have a little more capacity in the way we process the oats before we would need to take the next step of investing in some oh, seriously see. modern kit, yes. if that makes sense. Yes, um, and is that on the, is that, well not necessarily on the horizon, but is that in your plan? It was until the Ukraine war has seriously uh, pushed up the price of cereals and we just yes. don't know how, you know, how come harvest how the the, the price of cereal, we, we i mean we we kind of have an idea of how it's going to go mm. but is that going to push our product out of a lot of people's price range yes so uh, yeah reflection yeah, yeah it may be so we've we've had to unfortunately increase our prices not by a huge amount but it's and 90 percent of our customers are okay with it one or two were like Phew. because because they're making for niche 
granola brands or <laughs> that are in, say, Waitrose. Uh, wait, we're being told that Waitrose are saying to them, you can't put your price up because nobody will buy your product. We might as well delist it because it's right okay, at the top end of the... Threats, yeah. yeah. Not so threats, they're, yeah, yeah. they're squeezing... They've squeeze. had to squeeze themselves to no mm. margin. They, then the, the granola maker has to squeeze and then we're obviously at the bottom of the, the chain yes. and it's, it's pushed back onto us. They're all, you know, I think everybody's very understanding of it, but it'd be great if the supermarkets could maybe help a wee bit but I, I see it from their point of view you know oh, they need to yes. have product moving from their shelves yes and, you can, and that's a, that's the challenge you can kind of see it from everybody's point of view can't you and, and where's the solution yeah though it says you know this year is, is going really well kind of into the summer lull mm-hmm. it's expected and then yeah. the chickens is, is picking up so that's us kind of well we killed our first chicken in august last year so oh, we're yeah, kind of gosh, seeing yeah, the, so the cycle yeah, yeah, yeah of yeah. where we're going so what i wanted to show you was up until about um, March, the chickens were in this field here where the chicken houses are. Oh yes, yeah. And you, because we were quite new into this, they didn't mark their way right across the field, but you can see exactly yeah, where they got you, to. Yeah, you can, can't you? Yeah, so we've applied nothing to that field. Wow, you can see a clear line Yeah, of where the, of the, where chicken, the chickens were and therefore have fertilising and soil. Yeah, so much lusher. And where they weren't. Yeah, yeah. And that's, so that's a field of just straight oats. And it's my husband is an arable farmer and it, no wonder he's always so desperate to get hold of hen pen <laughs> um, <laughs> here you can actually see the difference yeah i mean so it's, we've um, not we've scraped away the hen pen yes, from where the houses were yes, and we've done nothing, nothing. and the hen pen's gone, gone down into a manure pile and yeah. that's just from chickens living on the land uh-huh um yeah, I, I think because I drive this way every day I'm like that's yeah, you're really like, wow that, you know you can really that's one of the, a huge benefit of having poultry yes, as well as yes. you know they're, they're and again um, you know you are the custodian of this farm for the next however many years and so it must actually make you feel good as well about what what's going back in you know your organic yeah. farming system is delivering a visible benefit back into the soil and that's that's got to be a feel-good factor as well yeah it is it is i mean so when we were doing a lot of chickens you could cover the, the farm or you could cover the fields that needed to be covered in a period that would and you could visibly see in a combine you could see where the actual house was and it it was six (laughs) inches taller though it's just for that one that one yes rectangle so hopefully we'll get back to that because yeah you know having no livestock i mean so there was cattle on the other half of the field and Mm -hmm. you know that there was maybe only 20 cows in there but the, the difference between having cattle and chickens is, I think, is a bit is night and day. There was a le- yeah. an electric fence down the middle. Of yeah, it. yeah, and that is, and it's great to see that stark difference. I wish sometimes that we were TV and not a podcast. But yeah, you can see a line and you yeah. can see lush and less lush, basically. Yeah, and that maybe that kind of helps to summarise it, I suppose. But um, how would you describe? If somebody said to you, what you know, as an organic farmer, what is it that makes you get out of bed every day and what makes you stay here as opposed to running back to Dubai? Because I was in Dubai in November and it's tempting. Um, oh. what, is, what is it that makes you stick around and do this for a living? For me, what gets me excited is, it's really sad, but is, is orders coming in, product going out, the farm being efficient, the farm producing what we need it to produce. You know, we're sporting four or five other organic farmers where them growing oats for us. 
and putting a really good quality product out into mm-hmm. the marketplace that our customers you know we had one customer we put the price up she said oh, it doesn't matter that you know you're we built our brand is built around your oats you know yes and, you know things like that is happy really nice customers yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, that that must make everybody happy if that's what they've got i mean so, don't, don't get me wrong when it's the weather's miserable farming can be miserable but <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. you know it's definitely an office day when the, the weather's rubbish but it's um yeah it is it's it's seeing everything work I, I like efficiency seeing everything work efficiently mm. and yeah and people being happy with the products that we're, we're producing but you know time will tell I, I feel this is going to be it's going to be an interesting 18 months interesting that, journey yeah. yes and um Sopa you know Sopa have obviously know about your business they suggested I come and chat to you are they critical to your journey in terms of support that you can get from them or not just them specifically but you know other organic farmers and the whole kind of community is that is that important to keep you doing what you do so sopa have been have been um, good in our starting up of doing the poultry again they 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 kind of they audited us previously on when we did poultry and and they came back and came with an open mind and yeah mm. you know we explained what we were going to do things like uh, grants and aid and stuff i you know it's great to get that but i still feel from a we have to be a business and it has to survive mm. without mm. aid and financial systems in place but it's you do need help otherwise yeah. things just yeah. wouldn't get off the ground so and you're still in you're still on that journey so i probably yes. will make good on my threat and come back in a few years time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it's a really interesting journey to follow so yeah. um yeah so yeah we'll thank see thank you but no thank you thank you very much it's, yeah it's been brilliant i appreciate your time Huge thanks again to Michael Medlock of Mains of Hawkeston Farm near Lawrence Kirk in Aberdeenshire. And thank you also to SOPA for supporting this episode. SOPA have worked really closely with Michael, particularly in relation to his duck and chicken enterprise. So I'm really excited. Um, I threatened that I'd go back in five years time and uh, see how his journey is unfolding. So I'm really excited to do that. In the next couple of weeks, you'll hear the other episode um, from my amazing road trip. The weather was just out of this world and I even managed a quick um, sea swim at Rattery Point way up in the north of Aberdeenshire above Peterhead. So you'll hear uh, the results of that chat that I had on the stunning Rattery estate up there in a couple of weeks' time. Um, Meantime, though, um, I'll finish with the usual reminder. On Farm is made by our team here at Seen and Heard PR and Marketing. So please do come and speak to us anytime about any aspect of PR, communication and marketing on your farm, foodie or rural business. So that's it for now. Um, We will see you next time. And meantime, I hope the sun is shining wherever you are.